Hello everyone, welcome to Box Offers Receipts. I'm your host Tyler Callahan and we got a jam-packed episode. As I continue to catch up on the news, this one is all about the Thanksgiving box office weekend, the fallout from it, as well as other news including trailers, streaming updates, and more. Let's start with the domestic box office. With it being Thanksgiving weekend, the numbers will be in a five-day format to include Wednesday and Thursday. Staying in first place is Black Panther Wakanda Forever with 64 million for a total of 367.6 million. Opening in second place is Strange World with 18.6 million. Opening in third place is Glass Onion with 13.3 million. Opening in fourth place is Devotion with 9 million. Fifth place was The Menu with 7.3 million for a total now of 18.6 million. Seventh place was Bones and All with 3.5 million for a total of 3.7 million. And in eighth place was The Fablemans with 3.1 million for a total of 3.4 million. So let's start with the small stuff. Wakanda Forever is still doing solid and will definitely pass $400 million. The question now is can it make it to $450 million domestic? I would say it's still possible, though it will be a slow crawl to get there after Avatar comes out. Still, while not making as much as the first Black Panther domestically, this is still one of the biggest movies of the year. Glass Onion opening to just over 13 million is fantastic, considering it was only in 696 theaters. If this had a proper wide release here, we're talking three, 4,000 theaters, we'd be looking at around possibly a $50 million opening, or slightly under it. Now let's talk about the bombs, because we got two of them. Sony has a bomb on their hands with Devotion, only coming in with $9 million. The reported budget for the film is around $90 million, and with this having a focus on the Korean War, I doubt this will have much of an international appeal. It's a shame, because this has gotten solid reviews from critics, it's certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, and for the few that actually went to see it, they liked it. Sony has also had a solid run this year, nothing special like Paramount, but they were doing okay, and it's kinda sad this is how they finish it with a bomb. But hey, they have to deal with Netflix, so this might find a bigger audience there. Now let's talk about the elephant in the room, Strange World, cause Oh my god, did that crater. Even Disney was not expecting it to do well, estimating around 20 to 25 million leading up to the weekend, uh, and it came in below that. <laughs> it's also being rejected by audiences, with it getting a B cinema score for a family movie. That's just bad. Really bad. Just for comparison, from last year, Encanto opened to around 27 million for the weekend. As for the potential loss for Disney, we are looking at them possibly losing $100 million due to this. We have reports of the budget being any either $120 to $130, bucks, up to $180. Both reported numbers do not include marketing. Uh, so this has been a clear rejection by the audience. And there is no amount of VOD or Blu-ray sales in the world to turn this into a profit. So what happened? Well, it's not clear, but it seems to be from a few things, including a poor script being the main culprit, in advertising, it looks like they cannot sell the movie to people, and also on top of that, the main character is gay. Personally, I don't think that had too much of a big difference on the box office, uh, but it might have stopped a few families from going out to see it once they heard about it. Overall, this is a big miss by Disney, and maybe it'll get some views when it premieres on Disney Plus during the holidays, but right now, it's burned a nice $100 million hole in their pocket. For China, Detective Conan stayed in first for the second weekend in a row with 3.5 million for a total of 17.8 million. In second place is The Tipping Point with 1.3 million for a total of 20.6 million. Farewell Beijing made 1.3 million for a total now of 5.1 million in third place. Fourth place was Homecoming with 700,000 dollars. 
for a total of 232.9 million. And in fifth place was Fall with 540,000 for a total of 2.4 million. So yeah, COVID cases continue to rise in China and have caused the government to continue to have a lot of restrictions in place. This means a good amount of theaters are closed and with that being the case, no new releases came out and people are taking precautions and not going out. For Disney, they better hope that COVID gets under control in China before Avatar comes out. This is a major market for that film. As for international numbers, well, it's the same story as it is domestically. Strange World only made 9.2 million for a worldwide opening weekend of 27.8 million. So yeah, that's still a bomb. Wakanda Forever made another 32.1 million for a total of 675.6 million. The Menu made 5.4 million for a worldwide total of 33.5 million. Black Adam is starting to slow down more, making only 2.8 million for a total of 378 million. And it looks like it'll finish in the low to mid 390 range. It might might get to 400, but it will be close. Bones and All made 2.1 million for a worldwide opening weekend of 5.8 million. And She Said made 1.3 million for a total of 6.4 million worldwide. Switching over to news in Hollywood, Paramount has announced that Top Gun Maverick is going back to theaters on December 2nd for a two-week run. It'll be a limited release in select theaters with a focus on being back in IMAX screens and other premium formats. As for why, well, why not? Early December is looking to be really quiet as everyone waits for Cameron and, and Top Gun has had amazing legs, so why not make a little extra cash? I don't think it'll do huge numbers, but it'll give people who haven't seen it one more chance. Next is Black Adam and it seems like Dwayne Johnson might be taking a shot at Warner Brothers. Uh, please note, skip about one to two minutes ahead on the podcast if you do not want to hear a spoiler about the movie. Give me a second. Okay. So, in a video posted on social media, he talked about Henry Cavill coming back as Superman for the post-credit cameo. Except, he mentions how the studio said no repeatedly, but him and his team kept pushing, and they eventually agreed. As for why, well, he says with Black Adam being one of the strongest characters in the DC Universe, you need someone just as strong to keep him in check. That being Superman. He also made the point that you can't build a DC franchise without its lead character, Superman, and he looks forward now to building it out more. What I find so fascinating about this is how open he is being about the studio not wanting to do it. Typically, unless there's a major issue or you're just looking to burn bridges, actors, directors, producers, they all say neutral to positive things about the studios when they're doing, you know, when you're talking about the film or you're doing marketing, it's, uh, they were a good partner. Uh, we love to work with them, you know? But here, The Rock is calling them out on it and letting everyone know it's him and his team that got it done. Warner Brothers didn't want Henry Cavill back, but he got the job done. Now, obviously, he says this in a very positive way and with a smile on his face. You know, he's not being stern. He's not cursing them out. But still, it is just very, very odd. And now, with new people running DC, it seems like there are issues at DC and Warner Brothers as a whole that need to be ironed out. We have a new movie in development, and Deadline has the exclusive on it. They are reporting that Sony's 3000 Pictures has closed the deal for Ang Lee to direct Bruce Lee. Or more specifically, I would say a movie about Bruce Lee. Uh, this has been in the works for a while for Ang Lee to make a film about the famous martial artist. Not only that, but his son Mason Lee has been cast to play the famous fighter. Now, while that may sound like the highest degree of nepotism, Mason Lee has developed an acting career over the past few years, and has been training to get in shape for the role for the last three years. But look, clearly this is a passion project for Ang Lee. I think he will give it 100% to make it great, and I hope it is. No word on when production will start. 
In other Sony news, they were able to close another deal, this time with Legendary. That's right, moving forward, Sony will be handling distribution and marketing for Legendary films for the next few years, besides in China. However, this is not a major loss to Warner Brothers, as they will still work together on Dune Part 2 and the MonsterVerse. So for example, Sony will not be getting their hands on the Godzilla vs. Kong sequel. Well, first off, this is a win for Sony. Over the past few years, they have been building themselves up as the major studio in Hollywood with no streaming service, which means their library is available to be loaned out to, leading to a big deal with Netflix. So whenever that deal comes up for renewal, they will be looking to get a lot of cash from the other studios and companies that have streamers because they have a vast library of films. By positioning themselves like this, they're able to just focus on making movies, ideally good ones, and over time build up a stronger library and not have to worry if their streaming service is failing or not. Now, by working with Legendary, they, that can help improve it. If those films Legendary produce are good, then it's great for them. But again, this is assuming they're good films. You know, they could make trash. They could make ones that bomb at the box office. And again, if they bomb at the box office, that's going to hurt that's going to hurt Sony more than if they, uh, Universal or Warner Brothers had it. Personally, I think they will make some solid films. Uh, and for Warner Brothers, this is probably the best case scenario for them. They really pissed off Legendary with the day and date release for their films, so it's no surprise they want new partners. And considering Warner Brothers Discovery is looking to make as many cuts as possible, they might not have been able to offer them a good deal anyway. We got a small schedule change for Lionsgate as they are moving up plane from January 27th to January 13th of next year. Not a big change, but it will open up directly against Warner Brothers House Party and the wide release of A Man Called Otto. Not sure why they're moving up, but the change shouldn't affect the box office much. While that is three wide releases in one weekend, they are all aiming for different audiences. For casting updates, we have one thanks to an exclusive from Variety. They are reporting that Lance Reddick will reprise his role as Sharon, aka the concierge, from John Wick in the spin-off film Ballerina. With both him and Ian McShane returning, I would think it's safe to assume at this point that Ana de Armas will go to the Continental Hotel at some point. It's still not clear how much of a role they will have in the film, but I would say a small supporting role at most. Taking a look at award season, Variety has the exclusive on this, and that is the Oscars next year will present all categories live on TV. Last year they started to present some of them during the commercial breaks, including Best Score, and live action short. I think this is great news. Look, for years the Oscars have tried, tried to stay under three hours, and even with moving some of the categories to commercial break, last year's event still went over. So look, if the show's gonna go over and run late, you might as well show all the awards. It's what people wanna see anyway. As for other awards, the Gotham Awards held their event, and everything, everywhere, all at once, won Best Picture. Now, not all the big contenders were nominated, but it should be noted it did beat out Tar and Aftersun. Also noticeably, uh, Kwe Hoon Kwan also won for Best Supporting Performance for his role in the film. Another noticeable win was Tar winning Best Screenplay. So this is only one of the many award shows in the lead up to the Oscars, but it does help show that Everything Everywhere All at Once has some momentum going into it, and Tar is not to be completely ignored. Once some of the bigger awards announce their winners, we can get a clearer picture on who are the front winners. Also happening this week is the Red Sea Film Festival taking place in Saudi Arabia. As we have seen over the last few years, the film industry is starting to grow in Saudi Arabia since theaters were unbanned, and now they want to get in on the film festivals. The big news I'd say from this is Fox Cinemas unveiling some of the Arabic films they are producing. Last year they made a commitment to produce 25 films within five years. 
We talked about Vox before, as they are a major player in the film industry, having hundreds of screens around the Middle East, and now producing films. We got a bunch of trailers this week, partially thanks to the Comic-Con in Brazil. We start, though, with Universal's Cocaine Bear. It's directed by Elizabeth Banks and stars Carrie Russell and Ray Loyota, among others. From watching the trailer, it looks like a very well-made B-movie, but in a good way. Comes out February 24th, so one week after Ant-Man, and a week before Creed 3. So, while competing for a similar audience, it could do decent numbers. I'm thinking if reviews are good, maybe around 30 million domestic. Next trailer was the first one for Indiana Jones, which is now has an official title. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Overall, the trailer looked good, and with the de-aging they have done for Harrison Ford, that also looks really well done. With this being Harrison Ford's last time as the character, it's one to look out for next summer. Comes out June 30th. Sticking with Disney Films, Marvel Studios also released their first trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. This will be the last Guardians film from James Gunn, especially now that he is running DC, but it also looks to be the final one for a few Guardian members as well. Based off of the trailer, it looks to be a bit more somber than the last few Marvel movies. This will kick off the summer movie season on May 5th, and I expect people to come out of the theater crying. Paramount has also released some trailers. First, they released the second trailer for Babylon, which has a slightly different tone from the first. While the first was basically, hey, this is going to be a crazy party movie, this trailer is a bit more coherent and lays out a bit more of what to expect, which looks to be the highs and lows of Hollywood in the 1920s as they move away from silent films. Personally, I'm really looking forward to it. It comes out December 23rd. They also released the first trailer for Transformers, Rise of the Beasts, it looks okay, but I felt kind of eh watching it. It looks like it's trying to be a better version of the Bay films, but as a sequel to Bumblebee, it feels like it lost what made it good. Still, it's only one trailer, and it could be good. Also, Paramount needs to clarify, while this is a sequel to Bumblebee, is this still a prequel to the Bay films, or is this an entire rebooted franchise now? Still not clear on that. Finally, for trailers, we got a second one for Super Mario Bros. from Universal and Illumination, uh, animation-wise. This looks like the best work Illumination has done. Like, really, a lot of shots just look amazing. Also, after hearing more of Chris Pratt as Mario, I think it can work. Well, nothing special. I think it'll be fine for the film. It comes out April 7th. Let's start off VOD Premium with some release dates. Disney announced that The Mandalorian Season 3 will debut March 1st next year on Disney+. Plus. That's not much of a surprise, as they have said before. It'll come out early 2023, so basically right on schedule. For Peacock, Pros will be arriving on the service December 2nd. It will be there for the next few months before moving over to Prime Video. I've already noticed that some of the earlier Universal films from this year have already made their over to, over to Prime Video, including Ambulance and The Northman. As for other films coming out on streaming in December, Netflix has Glass Onion premiering December 23rd, White Noise on December 30th, Pinocchio December 9th, and from Sony, Bullet Train premieres December 3rd. For other streamers, HBO Max gets the Banshees of Inuchin December 13th, Amsterdam December 6th if you want to watch that, Emancipation hits Apple TV Plus December 9th, and Top Gun Maverick premieres on Paramount Plus December 22nd. Let's talk about Amazon as they made the most news this week. Deadline has the exclusive on this, and that is they bought an action comedy film called Moxie. The film will star Kiki Palmer and directed by Bert from the Bert and Bertie duo. You would know them most from Hawkeye as they directed three of the episodes. 
As for the plot, it'll be about a stripper who is pissing off the FBI. But it turns out she be she's a great candidate for a new program that they're running to be an agent. This was a package deal, but it's not clear how much Amazon spent to buy it, just that they moved fast. So for a comedy like this, really does depend on the script and how the jokes land. I think Kiki Palmer can lead a movie, and she is a solid choice for this. It just really comes down to what she has to work with. If the script's good, I think she'll kill it. It'll be a good movie. If she doesn't have that much to work with, I mean, it is what it is. Deadline also has the exclusive on the second movie that they bought, another film package. This one is called Red Shirt and will star Channing Tatum and be directed by David Lettich. Simon Kinberg came up with the idea for the film and is also part of the project as a producer. Unlike Moxie, all we know about this film is that it is an international spy thriller. Also, this film package had a lot of interest, with offers from Netflix, Paramount, and Universal. As for how Amazon got it, well, from the looks of it, they just paid more. From an exclusive report from The Hollywood Reporter, Channing Tatum will be paid $25 million to star in the film, with Ledditch getting $18 million to direct, and Kinberg $8 million for producing. Also, should be noted that they are saying the deal includes the option for a theatrical release, so down the road, this could be one of the 8 to 10 films Amazon releases in theaters proper before going to Prime Video, which I hope is the case. I think Tatum in a spy thriller can do solid numbers for Amazon. Looking forward to this one. Amazon announced that they have reached an agreement with French film unions and will also be working on multiple new films and shows over the coming years. As for the deal with the unions, it is currently set for four years, and they have also said they will use 20% of their revenues from France to produce French content. France has had a very protective entertainment industry, so I would assume this is uh, considered great news for them. As Prime Video is one of the biggest streamers in the world, Amazon was willing to play ball. The other film news from Amazon was not just for a specific film, but for a multi-picture deal, as they have announced Tyler Perry has joined them. As part of the deal, Perry will write, produce, and direct four films for Amazon. This is a solid get for them, as while Perry films are usually nothing special, they do have a solid audience so it's a good way for them to continue to build out their library of films. It is not known yet what the first of the four films will be. Lastly, for Amazon Park Associates has released their annual streaming report for 2022 domestically. For the first time, Prime Video is number one. Over the past few years, it's been Netflix always a number one, but now they will have to settle for second. Now this is just one report, and it's not completely clear how they calculate the numbers, but if we take this at face value, it does make sense. One major reason is likely Thursday Night Football. Again, this is only for subscribers in America, and football is still very popular. Having exclusive rights to Thursday Night Football, even if the games are often not the best, uh, it does mean something to people. Compare that to Netflix, which has no live sport offering. As for Netflix, well, it looks like it'll take time, if ever, for them to fully embrace a bigger theatrical model. In an interview, co-CEO Reed Hastings talked about Glass Onion and said that they have left a lot of money on the table with the limited release. Yeah, no shock. <laughs> but he also mentioned that the release was a promotional tactic for the film and that they would consider it for other films down the road. He also pointed out that with all this, they are not trying to build a theatrical model. This is not too surprising for him to say because his other co-CEO, Ted Sardanos, has been very open about not liking theatrical releases. You need both CEOs on the same page. So if Hastings came out and said he wanted to do more, well then you'd have two CEOs with two different messages and that's not good leadership. But I do think he's telling the truth right now, though. And for the next year, at least, the big films that they have next year will get the one-week release, and that's it. 
for them to expand beyond that, well, either the other executives who want it uh, need to win behind closed doors, need to have those discussions, or their stock goes down more, forcing them to do it as a way to increase revenue, because it's easy money. Finally, we actually go to the Middle East for some news. NBC Group has acquired rights to a lot of anime. Uh, so to clarify, the distribution rights are for the Middle East and North Africa, and will be on their streaming service, Shahid. So what did they get? Well, they got the Bleach comeback, the Thousand Year Blood War adaptation going on now. From Toei, they are getting more episodes of One Piece. And from Aniplex, they are getting multiple shows, including Gurren Lagann and Sword Art Online. Clearly, anime is starting to get big in the Middle East, and really at this point will probably only continue to grow. And NBC wants to stay on top of it. And as it for this episode of Box Office Receipts, thank you for listening, and see you next time.